Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called Overwhelmed. And all throughout the series, we're going to be talking about those different areas and aspects of our lives that can cause all of us to feel stressed out or defeated or leave us feeling overwhelmed. And according to research that's been done by the American Psychological Association, 72% of Americans say that one of those areas where they feel the most overwhelmed is related to their personal finances. But let's just be honest here. We don't talk a whole lot about money in our culture today, but money is something that we need to be talking about because we're all stressed out and we are all worried about money. That's especially true right now as we're seeing inflation at a 40-year high and we're seeing the stock market down about 6,000 points from its high point earlier this year. So our 401ks feel more like 201ks. We're all worried about money. So it makes sense for us to spend a little bit of time not only talking about money, but talking about what the Bible has to teach us about money and how that can help us overcome being overwhelmed by our money. So let's get right into this episode sermon. that are simply taboo. And for the most part, these subjects never even come up because we all know that we're not supposed to talk about things like religion and politics, but we did. But there is perhaps one topic in America more than any other that we don't talk about. And I'm not talking about some guy named Bruno. No, in America today, the topic that we just don't talk about is money. We don't talk about money very often. We always don't talk about money. According to a survey that was recently conducted by Wells Fargo, they found out that money is the number one most difficult topic for people to discuss. About 44% of Americans say that personal finances is the hardest thing for them to talk about. You know what number two was on that list of the most difficult things for us to talk about? Death. So we would rather talk about our own funeral than talk about how we are going to pay for our funeral. It's how we in America work. But today here at Melbourne Heights, we're talking about money. And we're talking about money for a reason. Right now we're in the middle of a sermon series called Overwhelmed. And throughout the series, we're going to be talking about those things that can leave us all feeling overwhelmed. So we're wrestling with those topics that can make us all feel stressed out and make us feel like we are defeated. And you know what? Money can be overwhelming, right? Money can be overwhelming for all of us. According to research done by the American Psychological Association, they found that 72% of adults in America stress out about money, at least some of the time. And they found that 26% of Americans stress out about money all the time. And here's what that functionally looks like for us. For every four people that are worshiping with us in this place right now, we're joining us online, three of you stress out about money at least some of the time. And for one out of every four people that are worshiping with us right now, you're stressed out about money right now. So we need to overcome the taboo of talking about money especially inside of the church, because we're all stressed out and we're all worried about it anyway. So we need to figure out how we can overcome this taboo and talk about money. And to help us do that, to help us overcome the taboo so we can do a better job of talking about money, the first thing that we need to do is tackle a couple of bad assumptions that so many of us inside of the church make when it comes to 
money. Now, the first bad assumption that so many of us make when it comes to money is that we think that money is evil. And we make this assumption because the Bible teaches us that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Not exactly. The Bible really says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So, really, the the simple truth is that money is actually amoral. Money isn't good. Money isn't bad. Money is simply a tool. So, yes, you can use your money and go out and you can buy illegal drugs with it. Or you can use your money to pay for medication for a cancer patient. You can use your money and you can go and visit those shady sections and gas stations and pick out magazines that you probably shouldn't. Or you can use money to go and buy books that will help kids learn how to read. Or as the financial expert Dave Ramsey puts it, money's like a brick. You can pick up that brick and you can use it. You can throw it through a window. Or you can pick up that brick and use it to build a hospital. The brick doesn't care. It's just a brick. Same thing is true for money. Money doesn't care how you spend it. Money is simply money. It's just a tool for you to use, and it's ultimately up to you to decide how you're going to use your own personal finances. Now, the second bad assumption that we make about money is that we assume that whenever anybody wants to talk with us about money, that they're about to make us a sales pitch, right? So what this means is that if you're struggling financially and somebody comes and they say, I want to talk with you about money, you automatically assume that what they're going to do is give you some sort of get-rich-quick scheme pitch that they want you to be involved in. Or if you're a little more comfortable with money, if you're doing well financially and somebody comes and talks with you about money, you automatically assume that they are trying to devise some sort of scheme to part you from your hard-earned savings. Now, let's just be completely honest here. We in the church haven't actually exactly done much better when we talk about money ourselves. I mean, just about all of us have been flipping through TV late at night or scrolling through our YouTube feed, and we've come across one of those tele-evangelists that promise us that if we will just sow a seed of 1995 into their ministry, that they will send us some sort of holy trinket, like one of the five stones that David used to slay Goliath, that will guarantee our financial success. The problem is that if that offer is only good for the first 10,000 callers, so you better act fast. Or, plenty of us have walked into church on a Sunday morning where the pastor has dusted off an old sermon about tithing that comes from Malachi chapter 3, where God says this to us. In Malachi 3, God says, Will a mortal rob God? And you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then, after reading Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 10, the pastor then spends the next half hour of our lives trying to guilt trip us into why we need to give more money to the church. So we in the church do the same things that everybody else in the world seems to do when it comes to money. But the truth is, The truth is, I am not talking about money today because I'm trying to warn you of the evils of money. I just told you, money's not good, money's not bad. Money is simply a tool. And I'm not here to try to get my hand into your wallet or into your purse, okay? That's not why we're talking about money. We're talking about money today because we are all worried about money. All you have to do is turn on the news and it's going to stress you out about money. Like, we all know that inflation is at a 40-year high right now. 
And what that looks like is the consumer price index has gone up about 8.6% from where it was this time last year. What that means is that something that used to cost you $100 last year now costs you $108.60. And we've all felt how inflation has impacted our lives. Everything that we buy from gasoline to groceries to meals out at our favorite restaurants have gotten more expensive. And then when we take a look at the stock market, we see that the stock market is down about 6,000 points from its high earlier this year. And what that means is that all of our 401ks are looking a lot more like 201ks right now. So we are all stressed out about money. So since we're all stressed out about money, it only makes sense for us to spend a little bit of time inside of church talking about money. And if we're going to talk about money inside of the church, we need to talk about what the Bible really teaches us about money. And one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible about money is found in Matthew chapter 25. So if you've got a Bible close by, go ahead and grab it and turn with me to Matthew 25. And as you're finding it, let me just remind you that Matthew is essentially a biography of Jesus. So inside of Matthew's book, we'll read about Jesus' birth and his baptism, his ministry and the miracles that he performed. We'll read about his crucifixion and his resurrection. And today we're going to be looking at one of Jesus' teachings. Specifically, we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus teaches. And a parable is just a short story with a point. So let's listen to Jesus' parable that relates to money. In Matthew 25, we're going to start reading in verse 14. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one servant he gave five talents. To another he gave two. And to another one. To each according to his abilities. Then he, the master, went away. The one who had received the five talents went off and at once traded with them, and he made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came, and he settled accounts with them. The one, then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying to the master, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made you five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents, and see, I have made you two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in here you have what is yours. But as master and father, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I do not scatter, that you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my, my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten. Now, in the passage that we just read, Jesus used 
uses the term talent a lot. And for us in America today, the 21st century, when we hear the word talent, what we naturally think about are someone's special abilities or aptitudes, like when you tune in and you watch a show like America's Got Talent. So just about every time that I've ever heard a preacher preach the parable of the talents, that's what they've talked about. They've talked about how we can use our God-given abilities and aptitudes to better serve the kingdom of God. But that's only one way that we can interpret this particular passage. What I want us to do today is try to interpret this passage a slightly different way. I want us to take this passage a little bit more literally and remember that in Jesus' time, a talent referred to actual money. So if we're going to do that, the first thing that we have to wonder is, well, just how much was a talent worth? Was a talent worth, like, a penny? Was it worth a quarter? Was it worth a dollar? Maybe it was worth a hundred bucks? No. A talent was worth way more than that. A talent was worth about 6,000 dinars. Now, one denarius, which is the singular denarii, was worth one day's wages, okay? So, one talent was worth 6,000 days' wages. 6,000 days is a little bit more than 16 years. So, in modern-day America, what would one talent be worth? Well, in America today, the average worker works about 260 days a year, and they make about $31,000 for their work. So that breaks down to the average worker earns about $120 a day. So if you earn $120 a day for 6,000 days, you earn $720,000. That's a whole lot of money. That's almost three quarters of a million dollars. That is a lot of money. But there's one more thing that we need to take into consideration to truly understand what a talent was worth in Jesus' time. When Jesus told this parable of the first century, Life expectancy is about half of what it is today. So in America today, we expect that the average worker is going to work somewhere between 40 and 50 years. In Jesus' time, the average worker worked 16 years. Remember what I told you just a minute ago. One talent is worth 6,000 days worth of wages. 6,000 days is a little bit more than 16 years. So one talent would have represented what the typical person would have earned in their lifetime. Jesus told the story. In America today, the average worker will earn somewhere around $2 million over their working years. So that's about what one talent is worth. Now, I realize that I just spent the last couple of minutes of the sermon doing math, and I'm sure that that was absolutely riveting to everybody that's worshiping with us right now. But there's a reason why I spent that time doing that math. Remember at the beginning of the parable, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a master who gives money to his servants. And for us to truly appreciate that, we need to understand how much the master really gave his servants. Because the master didn't just slip his servants a couple of bucks. The master gave his servants millions of dollars, about $16 million for them to use, for them to spend. And ultimately, the master expected a return on the investment that he made in them. The master gave them enough money to live out the rest of their lives, but the master expected a return on that investment. So what does this mean to all of us? Well, when we think about our finances today, 
one of the first things that we have to understand about our money is that our money is a gift from God. Our money is a gift that comes to us from God. And that's true no matter how much money or how little money you have. It doesn't matter if over the course of your life you're going to earn one talent or ten talents. All of your money is a gift from God. Now, that's not usually the way that we think about money in America today. When we think about our money, we think of it as being ours. We go to work, we work hard, we earn that money. But what we have to remember is that God gave you your abilities, your aptitudes that you can take into the marketplace to earn money. So every dime, every dollar that you have is a gift that comes from God. And God gives you that gift for a reason. God is entrusting you to do things with that gift. So what is God entrusting us to do with the money that we have? Well, there's at least three things that God wants us to do. The first thing that God wants us to do with our money is to take care of ourselves and to take care of our families. God wants you to have a roof over your head. God wants you to have food on your table. God wants you to have clothes on your back. God wants you to take care of yourself and to take care of those closest to you. The second thing that God wants you to do, the second reason God entrusts you with your finances, is because God wants you to enjoy life. Jesus tells us so much when Jesus says that he came so that we can have an abundant life. Jesus wants you to have a life that is filled with things that give you life. So it's not a bad thing for you to spend some of your money going on a vacation or going out to the movies or dinner or spending it on books or something else that you enjoy in your life. Third thing that we're supposed to do with the money that we're entrusted with is we're supposed to use it to help other people. You stop and think about it for a minute. If you're broke, you can't exactly afford to feed the hungry. If you're broke, you can't afford to give the thirsty something to drink. If you're broke, you can't help clothe the naked or take care of the stranger. So God entrusts us with money so that we can help people who are in need. But what does all of that have to do with us and our money? And specifically, what does any of that do to help us as we're feeling stressed out and overwhelmed about money in our lives? But when we realize that everything that we have is a gift from God, it changes the way that we think about our money. And when we realize that God has entrusted us with these gifts for a reason, that God expects a return on the investment that he makes in us, that's going to change the way that we use our money. So, if we're going to change the way that we think about our money, and if we're going to change the way that we use our money, that means to us is that we have to have a plan when it comes to our money. We have to have a plan when it comes to our money. It's something that will help you feel less stressed and overwhelmed about money. But you have to have a plan when it comes to your money, because your money isn't your own. Your money is a gift from God, and God expects a return on the investment that God made in you. So you have to have a plan when it comes to your money. And we have a fancy word that we use when we talk about having a plan for your money in America today. That word is budget. I know, it's just so exciting, everything that we're talking about today. It's so glamorous. Who would have thought we were going to talk about budgets when we were talking about money? But even though budgets aren't glamorous, even though they're really, really a simple thing that you're going to hear talked about over and over again when it comes to money, absolutely essential to eliminating the stress you have when it comes to your money. Because all a budget is, it's the way of setting priorities for how you are going to use your money. And there are three priorities that we all have when it comes to our money. We are all going to spend some of our money. 
We are all going to give some of our money away, and we are all going to save some of our money. Those are three things that every single one of us do with our money. Now, the money that you spend, that's the money that you use to take care of, like your basic needs. The money that you spend, you use it to pay for things like your rent or your mortgage payment. You use it to buy groceries or put gas in your car. You use it to pay for car insurance or to buy tires when your car needs new ones. But you also use your money, you spend some of it to enjoy life. So you'll spend some of your money to go on vacation or to go out to dinner or to pick up a few books or whatever it is that makes you happy. The second thing that we do with our money is we give some of it away. And the money that we give away, that's part of how we repay the investment that God has entrusted us with. So if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, that means that you need to give some money to support the work and the ministry of your church. You may want to give some money to help out other nonprofits or charities that you believe in. You may want to give some of your money away when you're out to lunch today and you decide to pick up the tab for a family that's sitting across the restaurant from you. But we all need to give some of our money away. And the last thing that we all do with our money, hopefully, is we all save some of our money. We all need to be saving some of our money. You need to be saving money for your retirement when it comes. You need to, maybe you want to save some money to help your kids or your grandkids go to college. You might need to save money so that you can afford to put new tires on your car when that expense rolls around, or maybe you want to upgrade your car every once in a while. You also need to save some money for emergencies that happen, because emergencies are going to happen. And when you save money, instead of having to borrow money from your bank or from a credit card company, it frees you up so that you have more money that you can spend to give or save. want to feel overwhelmed by money, the most important thing that you can do is to have a plan for your money. Believe it or not, statistics actually show this to us. Remember what I told you earlier today. The American Psychological Association tells us that about 70% of adults in America feel stressed about money at least part of the time. Other research tells us that 30% of Americans make and follow a budget every single month. So it stands to reason that that 30% of Americans that make and follow a budget every month are the 30% of Americans who aren't feeling stressed out about money all the time. But it's not just statistics that will tell us that this is the truth. I can tell you this from firsthand experience. About eight years ago, Ashley and I were in debt up to our eyeballs. We had, over the course of the previous two years, we had bought two brand new cars. We had financed the house. We were making some student loan payments. We had uh, a couple thousand dollar balance at, at Home Depot because we wanted our new house to look nice. So we were in debt up to our eyeballs. And I got to tell you, that's pretty stressful. It's pretty stressful to be a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. And it gets stressful because when you're in that kind of debt, everything that happens becomes a money problem for you. Like if you get sick and you need to see the doctor, you're not just worried about being sick, you're also worried about paying the doctor's bill. Or if your car won't start one morning, you're not just worried about the fact that your car won't start, you're worried about paying for the repairs that are going to have to be made to your car. So when you're in debt up to your eyeballs, you're stressed about everything. So about eight years ago, which I guess has been closer to nine years ago now, Ashley and I made the decision that we were going to take control of our finances. And the first step with that to create a plan, was to write a budget. So every month for the last nine years, we've put together a budget. 
that lets us know what we're going to spend, what we're going to say, and what we're going to give. And within two years of starting this process of having this monthly plan that we were following, we had paid off all of our debt besides our mortgage. And I told you, we took that mortgage out in 2013. It was a 30-year mortgage. That means that that mortgage should be hanging around until 2043. But I can tell you, we'll pay off that mortgage long before 2043 ever rolls around. So I'm not just telling you that budgets work because statistics say they do. I'm telling you budgets work because I've seen it work in my own life. And I can tell you that in spite of all of the economic situations that are happening in the world today, no matter what's happening with inflation, no matter how low the stock market is going, I'm not overwhelmed and stressed out about money. Taking control of my finances. I've got a plan for my budget. And it's given me a whole lot of peace. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by your money, the first thing you need to do is to make a plan for your money. Now, I'll be honest with you. I know that just listening to a sermon for 20, 25 minutes isn't enough to change your financial situation. Just listening to a sermon for 20 or 25 minutes is not enough to tell you how you can go about making a budget. It's not enough to talk with you about how you can start getting out of debt. It's not enough to talk about how you can control and take control of your finances. So on our website, if you want to visit our blog at mhbclouisville.com slash blog, you're going to find additional resources there that will walk you through how you can make a budget for yourself, what you can do to get out of debt quicker, ways that you can take control of your money, take control of your finances, and have some peace there. So if you're stressed out about money, let me encourage you to go there. Take advantage of some of those resources. And if those don't help, if you're still feeling overwhelmed and like there's no way out, come and talk to me. Pick up the phone, call our offices, shoot me an email, reach out to us on Facebook, whatever it is. I would love to help you along the way because I know the difference. I've been there. I've been there with the feelings of being overwhelmed by finances, and I've seen the other side of it as well. And in the end, I know that every single one of us want to hear Jesus say the same thing to us that Master said to his first two servants. When everything is done, we want Jesus to say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've done well with everything that I entrusted you with. You used the gifts I gave you to take care of yourself, to take care of your family, and help other people. But we're never going to be able to do that if we don't take control of our finances. Do what you have to to overcome being overwhelmed by money. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that there are so many of us that feel overwhelmed and stressed out about our personal finances. And you also know that we don't like to talk about our finances very much, so it's really hard for us to ask for help. But with so many of us stressed out about money, with so much that's happening economically in our world today, God, we know that we need whatever help we can get. So God, remind us that everything that we have is a gift from you, and that includes our finances. But God, you don't just give us these finances. You also are making an investment in us. You're entrusting us to take care of ourselves and to take care of others with these resources. So God, help us all to be better managers of our money. Help us take the steps that we need to take to stop feeling stressed out about our finances and to have peace over them as well. And allow us all to use the resources we have to serve you, 
pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast, and I hope that this episode has helped you if you have been struggling with money. Now, I know what we talked about isn't the most glamorous thing. Budgeting just isn't that exciting, but it really does make a difference when you're trying to take control of your life and your money. So if you've been stressed out, if you've been feeling overwhelmed by your personal finances and you haven't started budgeting yet, let me encourage you to do just that. Now, in our next episode, we're going to continue talking about what we can do to overcome our feelings of being overwhelmed. And specifically, we're going to be thinking about how we can overcome our feelings of being overwhelmed about our work. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another Sermon Podcast.